Hello and welcome. I'm your host and story teacher, Lynette Louise. This is a new spin on autism, Answers. This is a place where we take awareness one step further and create conclusions that lead to answers. Today in studio, I'm so excited because that's the actual guest playing the piano instead of me using the recorded device. I'm really excited to have my guest here today. His name is Mitch Kaplan. He's my musical director when I do my show um, and my co-writer and a wonderful friend, and we'll be talking in a few minutes. If occasionally you hear the piano try to underscore something I say, it's because we are good friends and you never know what's going to happen. So this should be a really, really fun show. Um, before we get talking to Mitch, however, Mitch Kaplan, um, I want to talk to you a little bit about what today's show is called. It's called Music Mends the Mind. I picked it because I wanted to bring Mitch on. Ha <laughs> ha. No, really. <laughs> I picked it for a very special reason. I heard about a movie once called Weeping Camel. And it was a, a time when I was training to work with autism and I thought, well, that sounds like a good movie. It's very documentary and highbrow, so I'll feel really smart if I go and watch it. So I went and watched it, and it had really affected my life for a long time now. I'm going to tell you the story of that in a second, um, but first I want to remind you that we're going to have our guests talk about Music Men's The Mind, give away some CDs if you email in. Um, hopefully you will do that. Um, I'm also going to... Um, I'm going to tell you stories from the road. Very nice, Mitch. <laughs> I knew he'd do that somewhere. Okay, so <clears throat> Weeping Camel. The movie Weeping Camel is very exciting because it only tells one very important story. It takes an hour and a half. It's a documentary. There is a camel. It's Mongolia. Picture this. Uh, camel has a baby, will not breastfeed, will not feed the baby, completely refused to go anywhere near the baby, won't bond to it at all. So the Mongolian family that's taking care of the camel and really needs this baby to survive in order for them to survive has a problem. And they continually try to help this little camel bond with the mom and the mom bond with the little camel. They try singing to it. They try, you know, they're trying to feed it. They're doing all these different things, but the baby is going to die. Now they know how to fix a problem. They need a special musical healer. They just don't know where they can find one because, you know, in modern day life, things have changed in Mongolia. Television's come along. There aren't a lot of these musical healers available. So the family goes on a quest. They go looking for the musical healer. Okay, go ahead, quest music. They're questing. Actually, they're questing on a horse. Can you give me galloping horse sounds? They're galloping and galloping, but then the horse wears out, so now they're on a motorcycle. They're going on the motorcycle, looking. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Finally, they find the guy. He's actually a teacher in a school somewhere, and he says, okay, I have the time I can come. Um, they go home and they wait for him and they wait for him and they're looking over the horizon and finally this little motorcycle comes over the horizon and this guy comes looking very, you know, unimportant and unimpressive. Um, he takes a horn-like thing and he puts it on the mother camel's neck. And I, I think what that does is amplify sound and create a vibration 
uh, probably to the uh, thyroid area and whatever in, into the neck. And uh, then he pulls out his horn and he plays very singular noted music. So there's a few notes to it and they're sustained for long periods of time. Not sure you can do that one, Mitch, on the piano. Need an organ, I think. Try it. Oh, nice. Much more um, almost like dissonant. Give us a dissonant long sound, so. Yeah, like that. Like who would think? And another one comes over the, over the horizon. And the mother camel starts to weep, literally. You see tears flowing down her eyes. More tears flow down her eyes. She turns to her baby. She walks over to her baby. She nestles it into her and begins to feed. And it's all caught on tape. It's beautiful. Thanks, Mitch. So I watched that, and I was so impressed that the power of sound by these more, what we would call primitive cultures, has been used, channeled, toned, and made curative in such a tangible way that they don't even question it. And here we are, you know, <laughs> selling hemi-sync records to people to try to heal autistic children, and everybody's dubious, and nobody knows what it'll really do, and is sound really of any importance. So yes, it is. That's my lead-in to my guest um, and to our subject of the day. And uh, I think that's a beautiful way to introduce you, Mitch. So Mitch Kaplan is a musical director, as I said. Um, he's a wonderful piano player. Uh, he's also my singing teacher, so if we do do any singing today, uh, it's his fault if I go off key. <laughs> Not mine. I never take the blame anymore. <laughs> um, he's worked in the business forever. He's been Sandra Bernhardt's musical director and accompanist for over 25 years. Um, worked with Shaka Khan. I can't find your note, Mitch. Oh, here you are. Uh, Shaka Khan, Martika, and others. Um, He's a wonderful songwriter and a great friend. Thanks for coming, Mitch. Thank you, Lynette. It's great to be here today. Okay. There's a really special reason, besides our friendship, that I asked you to be here. Do you know what it is? I'm not quite too sure. What is it? Oh, come on. I told you. <laughs> <laughs> He's faking. No. Okay. You told me. So we started. I met Mitch um, when I first decided that since I, I raised my kids as a performer and I was now working with autism, that a great and unique way to get information out about autism would be to create a one-woman show. So I was looking for someone who could write music with me and accompany me and basically teach me to be much better than I was. And I met Mitch. And the interesting part was what unfolded as we got to know each other and work together. And that was several years back. Yeah. Yeah. And, and my show, after my show, he would often say, hey, Lynette, um, gee, I'm starting to have memories and thoughts and ideas. So remember, my show is about autism. Okay. And Mitch tells me things like, for example, talk to me about communication when you were a kid. Well, I, I didn't speak or walk until I was three and a half years old. And I remember when I was three years old, my parents took me to some doctor where I was tested because they didn't know what was wrong with me. And apparently, I didn't want to communicate at that age. 
And did they have an answer when they tested you? They didn't quite know what it was. Um, at some point, the doctor said to them, don't worry, he'll outgrow this. He'll... Now, there's probably a, a ton of moms, hopefully there's a ton of moms listening, and they're going, oh, I hate when the doctors say that, because that's a pretty common issue. The doctors will say the child will outgrow it, especially if it's a boy and he's three or four, um, and that's great if he does. Not so great if he doesn't. And that's part of what's made it that the spectrum has grown to include. So the autism spectrum now would probably have included you, especially given some of the stories you've told me. But we don't know. And this is a beauty of having been challenged when you were younger or years ago because you actually just got to find your own way. So what was your way? Well, Basically, after the doctor had given me that diagnosis, I did have problems communicating. I um, I went to speech therapist when I was in elementary school. And one day when I was about eight years old, I had heard another kid play the piano in this clubhouse I used to go to. And I said to my Wait a minute. Why were you going to a clubhouse? Like a bar? No, not like a bar. Oh, okay, Like okay. a con country club kind of place. Okay, okay. And um, he had all these little girls who were standing around the piano, and they were all loving him playing. And um, I wanted to be that person because I wanted people to like me. And I had a hard time communicating with people, making friends. And I saw that he was making friends by playing the piano, making music. And I asked my mom and dad, if uh, we could get a piano and I could take piano lessons. So you could speak by then? I could speak by then. Okay, okay. And uh, all of a sudden, I started taking piano lessons and found that it was a, a new way for me to communicate that was easier for me to communicate my feelings than speech had ever been. That's cool. All right. So communicate a feeling for me now. How are you feeling right now? And no, no, on the piano. Tell me how you're feeling right now by playing something. Ooh, light, pretty, love. Is that it? Yeah. Okay. But what if you were wanting to have a temper tantrum? Kicking the mic, I want to dance. Okay, <laughs> temper tantrum dance. I do that in my show. Uh, <laughs> I know you do. I've seen it. <laughs> How about, okay, let's say you're feeling confused and you want to tell your mom, I just don't understand. Can you do that? That's pre tantrum. There you go, moms. That's what it feels like pre tantrum. Okay. And I just want to be alone. Oh, wow. That feels like alone. That's awesome, Mitch. So when you were a kid, did you, um, did you have anything about music happened to you before this piano incident? Anything that sort of uh, created an emotional impression? When I was growing up, my mom used to sing around the house. And I think it was the happiest time 
for her when she is alone and she'd be doing chores or something and singing and um something in that resonated in me that there was happiness connected with music with singing and um I'm sure I wanted to emulate that. That's awesome. Actually, that makes perfect sense. So here you are. You're a child. You're struggling to... I'm going to draw a picture for you, and you stop me if it doesn't match. Uh, but you still stop, talk haltingly, so I'm going to flow for you. Thank you. Thank <laughs> I'm going to flow. <laughs> so you're a child, and first you can't talk, and everybody's going, what's wrong with him? What's wrong with him? What's wrong with him? Your parents are fighting. Um, your mom sings, and that's when it gets quiet and beautiful and soft. And so you have this feeling that music is the place where you will be grounded and safe and everything's good. Um, you gain a few words, you go into this club, and you see this is the way not only to feel good, but to have other people feel good and want to be around me. Absolutely. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. And then you began to play. Yeah. And you're amazing. Thank you. You can throw anything at Mitch, and he can just play it. I'm going to tell you a quick story. This isn't stories from the road, though. Uh, <laughs> I'm still talking to Mitch. <laughs> we, he was over at my house, and, um, and my grandson, who is like going to be 18 soon, has a lot of teenage friends, and they're off in the other room, and they're going, oh, because you know, we're singing kind of old-fashioned music. And uh, I can hear them talking. And the next thing you know, uh, and my grandson's bragging about Mitch. And so uh, they come into the room, and one of his friends says, can you play Shine Down?" And he's got this group's, it's pretty heavy music, and he's got it on his phone. And he says, here, and he pl plays it for Mitch. And you can see Mitch's face. Ah, oh, I'm being tested. <laughs> <clears throat> so he listens to the phone play this band, and he literally sits there and starts playing as if he's got every instrument in his fingers and can do any genre and the kids are gaping wide-mouthed and they start singing along and we have like a rock fest and it's he, awesome it was so, so awesome wasn't it and you so left victorious fun. yeah it was great <laughs> it was great it was great you are fantastic and, and it was a way for me to communicate with them that i couldn't communicate with them with just spoken word really yeah meaning I would probably be awkward. Um, you know, I get accused of a lot when I speak to people of taking too much time to um, think of what I'm going to say. And people get really impatient. And um, they, 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 they won't, what are you thinking? What's, what's going on? And with music, it just flows in a different frequency and it's much easier for me to communicate that's really cool so just before we started taping the show uh, mitch was playing around and he was doing an english accent and he was speaking much more fluidly and then a southern accent and and i was mentioning that often when people have uh, speech issues singing uh, accents characters uh, if you're a stutterer or if you just have halting speech uh, these things loosen you up they're a different pathway in the brain and they require different uh, manipulation of brain ma matter or neurons in order to get your mouth and your throat all working as, as a unified source. And uh, it makes sense. It mm. makes total sense. And I have to admit that you probably connected with everyone that night, all those teenagers, in a way I've never seen you connect with them, even though yeah, you're always absolutely. friendly. Yeah, we were, we were one huge group of fun. It was just awesome. 
Okay. Um, so if you were to tell people, oh, oh, before, before I, I close up talking with you, I could do this all day, but give us one weird story from your childhood. Come on. I tell everybody all my weird stuff on stage all the time. You can do it. Give me one weird thing that you used to do when you were a kid that made you come to me after my show and say, you know, Lynette, I don't know, maybe I was a little like that. And I'm going, you think? Okay. <laughs> well, this is pretty confessional, actually. Oh, thank you for that. That's a, that's a very trusting thing to do. Um, I used to say the word bunny and was obsessed with saying this word when I was in the fourth and fifth grade and repeat it. That's very cool. I and, used, I, and it would amuse me. It would amuse me. And I try to make people laugh by saying that word. And, um, in retrospect, it seems like, well, that was kind of a weird thing for me to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I used to say, um, really big shoe. All the time in fourth or fifth grade, same thing. And my son, Rye, you know Rye. Yeah. Um, you know, all diagnosed with autism and now off the spectrum. But he went through a period with bunnies. It was Roger Rabbit. And yeah. yeah. And he'd run around to people and go, Roger Rabbit, Roger Rabbit, please. <laughs> <laughs> and that was also weird. <laughs> so we get sometimes we get um, a word or a phrase or a sound and it's stuck in our head. And everybody's used to that experience with music where you get a song a piece of a song stuck in their head. But when a child gets stuck saying something over and over again, we're less forgiving because we don't relate to it as well. You and I, we get it. Um, okay, that's really cool. Is there anything you want to say to people about your life experience and that you think might be useful to moms or professionals in dealing well, with autism? Well, what I do want to say to you, Lynette, is um, it's been amazing working with you. Oh, thank you. I've really enjoyed um, collaborating on your show. And um, I had an amazing experience doing the biofeedback with you, the neurobiofeedback. I found after I did a few treatments of biofeedback, I was able to communicate and speech came much easier to me. Woohoo! I love that you said that. And um, the next three days after one of my sessions, I was just talking from the mouth and my thoughts came very freely, easily. And um, it, it showed me how amazing that this therapy is and how much it can really help people. That's awesome. And you know what's really great about that is my show next time is about biofeedback, neurofeedback. Neuro um, and my guest that will be coming is an expert in it and we'll be chatting about that. So you almost, you, you did, you gave me a lead into that. We have a song actually called Biofeedback. Just play, play Biofeedback. So this is the intro part. I can't sing this part. Usually I'm screaming and running around stage going, ah! Counting my children. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Then because I'm crazy, I go to the north. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Enough, Mitch. <laughs> and then go biofeedback for your brain. Okay, so um, wonderful, wonderful. Thank you so much for being here. And Thank being... you so much. Oh, it's it's been great. I love that you're willing to, to share. Nice. You know, I was supposed to do a re-intro. We were having so much fun, I forgot to remind people who you are in the middle of the show. So I'm going to remind them at the end now of my interview with you. 
Um, this is a new spin on autism, Answers, where we take uh, awareness one step further into conclusions and create answers. My guest today is Mitch Kaplan. If you want to look him up, you can look on Facebook. He's Mitchell Kaplan on Facebook. And if you have a great cause or you need a great musician or musical director, he's your man. Um, we wrote a CD together and do a show together. So we're going to take from his stash and offer you five free CDs if you hit him on Facebook and ask for them. Um, it's called Crazy to Sing. Just say that you heard him on a new spin for autism answers. I'm Lynette Louise and now I'm going to tell you stories. You got to stop now. We got to change mode here. Now I'm going to tell you stories from the road. <laughs> that was so cool. I love playing with you. All right, I'm going to try and bring this all together. Um, there's a little boy I worked with, and he was into Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. He was about five years old, and he would stay, once you played Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, anything by them, almost without exception, then he would go into a trance and rock. It's like he's standing. I'm trying to describe it. Oh, I know how to describe it. When you look at the washroom sign, the one for the guy, the way he has his legs spread and his arms out, he'd stand exactly like that. Wow. Right? Yeah, exactly like that. And then they'd play Crosby, Stills, Nash, and he would go back and forth and rock from one foot to the other. In a total trance, he could do it for hours and hours and hours and hours. So I started working with him, play therapy, neurofeedback. The thing with him was music was so important. Now, a lot of people believe music's important for autistic children, and I would have to say that's only sometimes true, but it's true probably three-quarters of the time. So it's worth experimenting with and, and checking into. In this case, he was completely locked down by Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Now, the parents wanted to give him something that he saw as pleasurable, and he would you know, tantrum for it anyway. So they would constantly play it and he'd go into trance and then he was quiet, right? <laughs> and happy, but completely not learning. So um, I came along and we're doing everything different. And, uh, you know, I'm singing songs that are crazy and wild and trying, I'm trying to vary music and use it in all these different ways. And we're getting a little change and a little change and we're using neurofeedback and he's, you know, he's getting better and better, but he's really not tipping over to a place of total openness. He's got good language. He's a bright little boy, but he trances out like this for long periods of time. And so I started doing Mary Poppins with him. I got a Mary Poppins CD. I knew that he's in New York, so I knew that they had Mary Poppins uh, on Broadway. He'd never been to a movie or a, or a theater show. So first I took him to uh, some movies to get him used to being in a seat and seeing something on the screen. And I'm all, always leading towards this Mary Poppins experience. So I start doing supercalifragilistic. Go for it. Supercalifragilistic. Oh, Spoonful of sugar. I'm ready for supercalifragilistic. <laughs> Go down. Anyway, so we're running around the room. We're going, doing all these songs. I was more inclined to superfragilistic, I have to admit. Even though the sound of it is something quite atrocious. Fantastic. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to keep you here all the time. So, so here we are. We're doing all this, and we're doing it, and he's, get, he's liking it. He's, he's sort of pulling away from Crosby Stills. You know, he's learning to be interactive, but no, I'm not fully getting him yet. So we are sitting three rows back from the very first row, Broadway. He's 
wanting to leave. I'm like, we can stay, we can stay. Go, go, go. We can stay, we can stay. All of a sudden, the lights go. The curtain comes up. The music starts. His eyes pop open. He sees the set. The people start coming in. And he grabs my hair, pulls my head into his lap, and says, stay, stay, stay. <laughs> so I spent all the way until the first intermission with my head held tight by this boy, by the hair. I looked like a caveman, I'm sure. I'm like right down there. And uh, staying as still as can be while he's completely mesmerized. Intermission comes, we survive it. We, you know, people are everywhere. He's having his snack, his organic snack, and go to the bathroom and then the, the show starts again. And this time, He's a little bit nervous about going to the front, but he's mesmerized, so we sit at the back. And they come out doing the chimney song, you know, they're chim chimney, chim chimney. There we go. And he hangs on to me, and he hangs on to me so tight. The song ends, and he looks me in the eye, and he says, I love you. And it stays. From that day forward, I took him home. He was a different kid. He was a it was like the weeping camel. He was a different kid. So much so that it was freaking out his parents. They're like, so now we finally have this boy who's kissing us and hugging us and, and talking to us and, and saying I love you and being all affectionate. What happened to him? I, I'm so, like, and they were completely, completely in a new world. And it actually took several weeks to help everybody. Um, get comfortable with that. They didn't even know how to be with him anymore because he wasn't the boy that they were used to fighting for. He was actually there for them. So that is a music story. And the answer that comes from that story in the road is it's very important. Actually, let me, to, to put that answer into perspective, <clears throat> my son was autistic. And if you played something that would stimulate alpha, um, if you bought a CD that said, great for calming and will stimulate alpha in the brain, if you played that for him, he would have a temper tantrum and punch a hole in the wall. Because alpha was incorrect for him. He had too much of that. If you, um, certain musical notes for my son Dar would have him covering his ears and running and hiding in a room. Uh, for myself, there was a musical therapy that's called uh, AIT, or Auditory Integration Therapy. It helped my vision clear up so that I could see faces and recognize people. So the point is that music is powerful. Sometimes if you play a song at the wrong moment, you're going to go into a depression because you just broke up with someone and now you're listening to sad music all day. Use your music wisely. Use sound purposefully. And remember that just because it's an answer, it doesn't mean it's the same answer for every person. Today's answer, music is powerful, but choose it wisely. This is a new spin on autism. I'm your host, Lynette Louise. We have answers, and I'm a story teacher. Oh, wait, I want to tell you about next, my next person uh, for the next show. It's really I'm so excited about this, especially since Mitch brought it up. It's Mark Steinberg. He uh, did a beautiful testimonial for my book. He's written the ADD 20-hour solution. He's a psychologist, a medical psychologist, a TV personality, very renowned, has a new book out, and we're going to dish the dirt on feedback. It's feed fallacy of feedback coming up next time around. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for being here, Mitch. A new spin.
To hear me.